1: Today on the podcast, we're talking about Reggie.
0: A
2: big, big
3: World
4: Series for Reggie
1: Jackson. No, not that Reggie. We're talking about the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative. It's been almost 20 years since a bunch of northeastern states tried to team up to reduce their emissions. How's it going? And why does it seem like Reggie has an entrance and exit that's a revolving door? Hello and welcome once again to Parts Per Billion, the environmental podcast from Bloomberg Law. I'm your host, David Schultz. So as I mentioned, today we're going to be talking about Reggie. The intergovernmental body has been around for a while now, but it's never really felt totally stable. The latest shakeup may come next year when Pennsylvania will be getting a new governor. Neither candidate running to succeed the retiring Tom Wolf seems enthusiastic about Reggie, even though the state just joined the organization earlier this year. So right now, you might be asking, what is Regi? Well, at its base, Regi is a cap-and-trade program. Its 12 members, all of them states in the northeastern U.S., agree to put a cap on the amount of greenhouse gas emissions their power plants can emit. Power plants that exceed that cap have to buy credits from power plants that go under, and the prices for those credits are set by an auction. It's the type of markets-based approach that makes economists swoon. And today, we have an economist on to talk about how regi has been doing and whether it can survive yet another one of its members heading for the exits. Bill Shobe is a professor at the University of Virginia, another state that, by the way, may also be leaving Reggie. He spoke with Bloomberg Law reporter Jennifer Kay about where Reggie is heading and how it got started.
2: The origins are that in 2003, people thought they might try to put a program together, and it took quite a lot of negotiations. You know, these are, these are 10, at the time, 10 states. It was 10 independent states. They had to agree on terms, and it was pretty amazing to watch the state's come to agreement on this big change, but a voluntary agreement to control their emissions and a voluntary agreement on how to parse out emission control among the states. Uh, It really is pretty astonishing in retrospect that uh, these independent states were, uh, were able to do that.
5: Yeah, and these are states that don't always... Do the same thing together. You're talking about states in the Northeast and the Mid-Atlantic. They don't always have uh, a Democrat in office as governor. They don't always have Republican-led legislatures. Um, so it must have been a lot of work to get, you know, ten and now potentially eleven uh, states working in conjunction on on this one issue. Um, but now it's, it's a, I guess, a little over a decade since it's been really in effect. Can we say whether Reggie has been a success or a failure at this point?
2: Um, it, it's a great question, but of course, it's it's not possible to give you a totally definitive answer because it's not the only thing that has changed. Immediately after Reggie decided on its cap, uh, natural gas prices fell. And so that was going to cause big changes all by itself. And of course, the cost of alternative energy technologies has fallen a lot uh, during this period. Part of that, of course, is because many states have decided to cap their emissions. Um, But also, since that time, the states have also implemented parallel policies, other policies that are designed to address the Uh, emission intensity of their electricity sector. So lots of other things have changed. So if you're going to ask what effect did Reggie have, you have to try to tease out its effect from all the other things going on at the time. So there's no way to give a fully definitive answer. Uh, But the studies, the serious studies that have been done that have tried to parse out the different influences here uh, indicate that Reggie has had a very substantial effect on emissions right now, the Reggie price is just over thirteen dollars a ton, and you think about even in earlier times when it was six, seven, eight dollars a ton, we're adding that additional cost essentially per megawatt hour of coal generation, and so that's a very significant increase in uh, the relative marginal cost of using coal relative to natural gas or natural gas relative to some non-emitting technology. So we have to expect that it would have an effect at the margin.
5: And up until really this year, the participating states were not big fossil fuel producers. They weren't big energy exporters. And then you have Pennsylvania, uh, where you had Governor Tom Wolf, who's a Democrat, um, really by executive order, bring the state into the initiative. You know, that's, That seemed like it would be a really big deal because Pennsylvania is such a significant fossil fuel producer. It would be the only fossil fuel producer in Reggie if it manages to stay in the initiative. You know now that's something that's kind of up in the air because you have litigation. The Republican lawmakers in the state who lead the legislature uh, say it's it's a say it's a bad idea. They want to not participate, and then you have a governor's race that could decide whether Pennsylvania stays in as well. For Reggie getting a major energy producer and exporter like Pennsylvania to participate would seem like a really big get. So what does the initiative gain if Pennsylvania stays in?
2: When you think about the benefits of markets as um, uh, mechanisms for controlling emissions, one of the big gains is Flexibility in how those emission reductions are obtained. And uh, so the sources have a lot of flexibility in how the emission reductions get done. And when trading is the mechanism, the greater the participation. The larger your gains from trade are going to tend to be. Well, with Pennsylvania, you have a much different group of participants. As you say, there are, uh, first of all, there's lots more natural gas generation. Pennsylvania has shifted uh, a lot from coal to natural gas, like everyone else, over the last couple of decades. What this implies is that there are likely to be g- big gains from trade between Pennsylvania and the rest of Reggie. There will be opportunities for increased reductions in the cost. The The tricky thing for Reggie when you let any new state in, and this was true when Virginia joined uh, just last year, is you have to try to fit the new state, the new traders into the market without disrupting it. And it turns out that when Virginia joined, there was a pretty good match. Uh, you didn't see the market move at all. The prospect of Pennsylvania joining hasn't moved the market that much in Reggie so far. And so maybe they've made it a pretty good match. And it also reduces what we think of as the margin for leakage. If you, if you try to control emissions in one set of states, but other states are not controlling emissions, then you have to expect that some generation and some economic activity will move across the boundary. Uh, And um, what evidence we have is that, of course, there has been some leakage out from under the Reggie cap. How much that leakage is is really hard to tell. There have been lots of efforts to measure it, but it seems fairly manageable. Um, Pennsylvania joining greatly reduces the margin of leakage out of the rest of Reggie.
4: Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at steeple.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com.
2: Steeple Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE.
3: You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers.
0: So you mentioned,
5: uh, you know, Virginia, which is another recent addition, but it also might be not long for participation. You know, the, the new Republican governor, Governor Yunkin in Virginia, wants to withdraw from Reggie, um, I think kind of with or without the legislature's support. And, and Virginia and Pennsylvania aren't the only states where this uncertainty has come up with Reggie. You know, New Jersey was a member Initially, and then Governor Christie Chris Christie withdrew and but now New Jersey's back in. so I'm wondering if participation depends on who's in power and how that party presents that plan to the public was Reggie designed to withstand states kind of you know coming in and out depending on what the political wins are?
2: Well, the first thing I want to say is, is the market for anything designed uh, to withstand new entrants? Well, we see it all the time. Now, we're not always working with uh, states as entrants and and potential exiters, but the one thing you want to be concerned about is, is the market that remains competitive? Uh, it What would be bad is if states entering and exiting caused big gyrations in the market price. That hasn't been true up to now. When, when Governor Christie uh, decided he didn't like markets anymore and claimed that he could actually do better by regulation, you know, this leaves economists scratching their heads, right, uh, emission markets were a Republican initiative to, re- to, to use market instruments instead of regulations for environmental regulations, Unfortunately, emission markets got tied in to CO2 emission control during the Obama administration when there was an effort to implement a cap and trade program. And to economists, the Republicans turning against markets was like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Now um, it it seems to be a matter of um conflating emission markets with efforts to reduce CO2 emissions, and that's really unfortunate. But let's get back to New Jersey leaving. Uh, When New Jersey left Reggie, it didn't so much as cause a ripple in the markets at the time, because the remaining market was quite competitive, and New Jersey's level of effort was similar to the rest of Reggie, and there was very little effect on the market. Uh, And When Virginia joined, there was also, it it appeared very little dramatic, very little noticeable effort on the market. So ultimately the answer to your question is that what we care about is whether the remaining market remains competitive and that is not um, really in question here. Remember, this is a coalition of the willing. We've got to expect states to come and go as the political winds change. The original Reggie states have found this a very effective program and have stayed in it. You know, New Jersey tried to leave but came back in because it turned out that it's in their interest to be part of Reggie.
5: I think at one point early on you brought this up, but let's let's circle back to it. If Reggie was the original, um, how does it? interact with or compare to the the newer cap and trade programs that we're seeing on the West Coast. You know, California uh, launched its own with kind of mixed reviews, I think, in in 2013, and now you have Washington and Oregon following. And now you also have uh, the tax incentives and funding for reducing emissions in the Federal Inflation Reduction Act. So where does does Reggie still have a a role to play, or or how do all of these programs interact with each other?
2: Wow, that's a lot right there. Uh, I'm gonna uh, no no (laughs) that's that's (laughs) quite all right. So let's talk about Reggie being the original first. The original Reggie discussions took place at the same time that folks in the European Union were discussing an emission trading program over there, and the E U S emission trading system got started before Reggie's program actually was operational, but the discussions took place about the same time and uh, and I think it's widely acknowledged that the first phase of the EU emission trading scheme the ETS was not very successful. It ended up with the price falling to zero and causing a lot of um, a lot of stress among policymakers and compliance entities at the same time Reggie implemented a very clean market mechanism that has really stood the test of time. The EU ETS has been through, um, a couple of pretty substantial redesigns. Um, the ETS was a very clean market design that has worked quite well. Actually, again, it had the advantage of just addressing the electricity sector, not the whole economy. That's a harder task. And so when California, uh, and, uh, joined by Quebec, uh, decided to implement a cap and trade program. Their initial design was impl- eventually implementing it for the whole economy, including uh, transportation fuels and and everything else. So to be fair, that's a harder task, but it is very clear that the design in California borrows from the design of the regional greenhouse gas initiative. For example, the quarterly auction of allowances uh, is uh, essentially implemented in the same way. And uh, the, the market instrument is very similar in the way it works in California. And Washington is now in the process of, of Uh, putting in place, in fact, I think they're considering uh, their regulations are under review right now, for implementing a cap and trade program that can be linked to California's. Uh, With Oregon, I think, uh, I don't know as much about the Oregon plan, but it it doesn't seem to be as clear that they have a strategy for linking up with the other states, but they are implementing uh, a sort of cap and trade program. But remember, these programs are now being emulated all across the world. Uh, there are cap and trade programs in New Zealand, in North Korea, in China. And so the, the effort that Reggie and the ET, EU ETS went through to put an emission cap in place in sort of the mid 2000s uh, has spawned other programs, both in the U.S. and across the planet.
1: That was Bill Shobe, an economist and professor at the University of Virginia, speaking with Jennifer Kay. And that's it for today's episode of Parts Per Billion. If you want more environmental news, check us out on Twitter. We use the handle at environment. Just that, at environment, nothing else. I'm at David B. Schultz if you want to talk to me about Reggie Jackson or any other Reggie. Today's episode of Parts Per Billion was produced by myself, David Schultz. Parts Per Billion was created by Jessica Coombs and Rachel Daigle and is edited by Zach Sherwood and Chuck McCutcheon. Our executive producer is Josh Block. Thanks everyone for listening.
3: Have you ever thought to yourself, How is that legal? Why is that legal? Have you ever seen a big trial in the news and wondered, what's really happening there? Have you ever pondered the question, why are lawyers the way that they are? And how much money do they really make, anyway? These are the things we live and breathe over at On the Merits, Bloomberg Law's weekly legal news podcast. On the Merits looks into the biggest stories playing out in the legal industry right now. And we feature the finest journalists, Covering the biggest legal stories from across the Bloomberg Law newsroom. You can hear it wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks
0: for listening. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state